Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup for research published between the 29th of November and the 5th of December 2022. I'm Katrina Pears, the research correspondent for the ME Association. There have been five new MECFS studies and 15 studies on long COVID this week. We have highlighted two of the studies. Paper 2 looks at the influence of Tai Chi on functional brain connectivity. Tai Chi is a moving meditation form. A series of gentle exercises are followed that creates harmony in the body and mind. It is a traditional Chinese martial art. This study recruited 20 MECFS patients and 20 healthy controls who completed 8 sessions of Tai Chi over one month. Before the first session, and after the last eight session, participants underwent a clinical evaluation and a resting state functional MRI scan. Machine learning and computer modelling was then used to study the different connections in the brain. The study also used three different questionnaires to evaluate the outcomes, including the fatigue scale 14, the Pittsburgh sleep quality index, and the MOS 36 item short form health survey. The study found that 60 of the functional connections looked at in the brain could discriminate between MECFS patients and healthy controls. Furthermore, Tai Chi was seen to improve MECFS symptoms through a decreased fatigue score, sleep quality increased and an increase in the connectivity in the brain of the left frontal partial network FPN and the default mode network DMN. There are a few things that stand out which question the strength of the study. For example, this study promotes exercise and quotes a number of references supporting exercise as an effective treatment. There is also no reference to the new NICE guideline. For example, one quote from the paper says, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence updated its guidelines to recommend exercise therapy for chronic fatigue syndrome. Furthermore, the Fukuda criteria was used for diagnosis, which is heavily criticised in its use to diagnose MECFS, especially when used in research. For example, problems with this criteria include post-exertional malaise, PEM, is not compulsory, which leads to misdiagnosis and it is not easy to use on a clinical level. There is a review available on the contrasting case definitions which has been written by Brown et al. This is also the first study I have come across where there is a title exclusion list for women, where those who are pregnant and lactating, but also those that are menstruating during the functional MRI scan were excluded, with those being excluded as hormones have been found to affect network dynamics in the brain. There is also no mention of ME severities in this study and I feel this was only be suitable for those with milder ME-CFS. It is also not discussed in this paper if Tai Chi was conducted in a normal standing position or was adapted to be more chair-based which would suit a wider range of people with ME-CFS, especially with orthostatic intolerance. Lastly, it could be debated whether a study like this focusing on traditional Chinese medicine would have ever found a negative outcome. I previously participated in weekly Tai Chi classes a few years ago. Initially, I found these very hard work, especially on my arms. 
However, I did see an increase in my muscle strength, which was not measured in the study or the effects of post-exertional malaise, PEM, which seems to be commonly missed in these exercise programs. For this study, two weekly Tai Chi sessions were undertaken and I would have found this too intense for my symptoms, which has not been considered in this study. However, it is nice to see the coupling of an exercise study with the use of functional MRI scans. Paper 3 looks at the tissue specific signatures of human herpes virus infections in those with ME-CFS, especially focusing on HHV6 and EBV STEM bar virus, which reactivation has been linked to a number of diseases including Alzheimer's disease and ME-CFS. This study analyzes post-mortem tissues of 3 ME-CFS patients and 26 controls. The results show high viral load in the brain and neuro tissues including the spinal cord in ME-CFS patients, which was absent in controls. The results suggest that tissue-specific locations for the active viruses. These results may also explain why a number of previous studies on HHV and EBV have provided disappointing results, which is mostly due to the inaccessible sample locations. We have seen a number of studies of late which implicate the reactivation of human herpes viruses in ME-CFS and long COVID. We have previously covered this in one of our weekly research roundups. In the long COVID reference section of this paper, paper 2 is even on this topic, but differing results were found in their study. There is also an ongoing study looking at the reactivation of herpes virus in ME-CFS, which the latest update can be read on our website. Results from this study are fascinating. Unfortunately, at the moment, the full study is not available to read until it has undergone final formatting. We will update you when this becomes available. Studies like this are incredibly rare. Therefore, expanding the cohort to verify these results is extremely difficult. However, we sincerely thank those and the families who donated tissue for this research. You may also be interested in reading paper 4, which compares symptom profiles of 42 ME-CFS patients and 73 long COVID patients, finding a large amount of symptom overlap and greater impairment in those with ME-CFS. Information from the ME Association has also been referenced in this study, which is good to see. In the long COVID reference section, you may also be interested in reading paper 3, which shows the effectiveness of active pacing to manage post-exertional malaise, PEM. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. I'll be back next week with the next instalment.